Welcome, this is Doug Presley from Word is Truth Christian Church. Today is 4-9-2023, and we're continuing with our worship service with the thought of the week and prayer. At this time, we'll have the thought of the week. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realm in Christ Jesus. We are pictured here as seated with Christ. As we study the features of the baptism of the Spirit, we will see that it identifies us with the person of Christ. Everything that is true of him is also true of us. This ministry of the Spirit is unique to this age and gives us our identity before God. We share everything with Christ. His life his mind, his position, his righteousness, and his identity. We are even said to share his experience in death, burial, and resurrection. What is interesting about this experience is the level of our identification. We are and have everything he is and has. We share his relationship with the Father, which he has always had from eternity past. Jesus, speaking of this future great blessing to come, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me, I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me, even though we are like Christ in so many ways, there is authority in his relationship. He is the head over the body the church. Christ is Lord. He is the vine, and we are the branches. He is the bridegroom, and we are the bride. So with this, I just want to grasp the fact that we have such a great salvation. It reminds me of the fact that when God says when two people are married, he says to make leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. But he was talking about Christ and the church. So I hope that when Dwight prays the prayer today, that he reaches out to all saved individuals, that they may grow up and understand how we have such a great knowledge. At this time, we'll have Dwight in prayer. Amen. <clears throat> Thank you very much, Bill. Okay, do we have any special requests? Um, just just the um my sister sister's family the Haddon family <clears throat> Kenny Kenny had recently had a stroke so I'm sure there's going to be some recovery there so that's top of mind okay. all right okay at this time we'll we'll um begin our prayer. I'll begin the prayer. So let us bow our heads. Dear Father in heaven, thank you for this wonderful opportunity that we have through the technology available today to be able to reach each other from hundreds of miles away um, and share in this unique message that you have for us, given in your world. A message that goes beyond salvation, but goes into um, the growth and the plan for our Christian life and what that means. All that it entails is so deep, deep is so rich, rich um, that we can forever look at it and just be just marvel at it as we continue to grow into maturity and to all godliness. I pray for those um, on this call and in, um, associated with Word of Truth Christian Church that we might all grow up um, and, and look to grow up in Christ into everything he has and, and to recognize our identity in him. Um, as Bill was talking about in the thought of the week, and let us make growth uh, uh, something that we love, uh, something that is available to us and, and in all humility um, cooperate with the Holy Spirit who has the power to transform our hearts. And I pray also for the church worldwide, that there is um, all kinds of persecution in this world. And um, 
let all these nations and people from all over celebrate in the glory that they have um, in Christ. And you have said that we will have tribulations in this world. And if anything ever felt like an understatement, it's certainly that. There's so much challenge in this world. Morality, belief, uh, disbelief, um, and natural disasters, man-made disasters, and it just boggles the imagination it does. But I pray that even though all that is happening, that your Holy Spirit is successful in working in the hearts of those um, to turn toward you. People who are not saved, may they come to salvation. And people who are saved, may they come to realize the precious gift that we've been given and can now grow up in our Christian lives. And on this particular day, let us also remember um, what the world is, is, not the world, but the Christian world is celebrating on Easter. And we know that the true meaning is about the resurrection of Christ and, and um, all of those things that have been done to complete the work for, uh, for our salvation. Let me also uh, bring to mind that we also have particular personal prayers as well. And one in particular is the Hayden family, um, where there are health challenges there. And, and I know that I can think of a few myself, and even Gretel and mother of cancer or, or sicknesses of the body that are just you know, too overwhelming to really come to um, the, uh, go through life the same anymore. It, it changes one's outlook. Life. So let us remember that we have eternal life. There are rewards awaiting for us for our growth. And let us turn in that direction. In Jesus Christ's name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Dwight. <clears throat> yeah, Dwight said something in his prayer I thought was interesting, uh, which I hadn't thought about much. We're going to get started here in just a second. And that was about how technology, and thank God for technology, which if you think about it, there were times past where we could not have had the kind of fellowship that we have over all these many miles. We just wouldn't know what each other believed or thought. <clears throat> thank God we do have this uh, technology in this time in which we live. Um, so... Getting right to our Galatians chapter 2, uh, you should have notes. And uh, in your notes, <clears throat> the Apostle Paul established his calling and decisions made to keep it authentic. This new calling comes with a new dispensation revealed at Pentecost. Just as Jesus promised, Paul reveals details about his ministry and establishes himself among the other apostles. He received the right hand of fellowship from his peers, and there was agreement on how to proceed. Paul calls an in, recalls an incident with Peter. <clears throat> he saw the Jewish influences on the church and quickly addressed the matter publicly. This gives Paul an opportunity to show the metal of the new creation. It also confirms and establishes the hidden theology and foundation of the church going forward for all the apostles. <clears throat> so we have covered quite a bit here uh, if, in the notes. If you move all the way down to, oh, <clears throat> we'll pick up a couple points in five, but we're, I, I know we stopped at around six somewhere. But a couple points in five, we did not give in to them for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. So the first thought is give in. There are things in this life where we should take, we should stand up, and the gospel, according to this new dispensation, is certainly one of them. <clears throat> if all of if this is the reason God has called us, when you think about why are we here, if you say, well, I was born here. If you say, why are we here? And you say, well, this is where my people are from. Or you could say whatever you want. But the reason why we are here is because God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. 
That's the reason why we're here. <clears throat> and if we get here and then we don't acknowledge what God has done, what choices he made from eternity past, <clears throat> I think it will, it will be a waste and we will not be rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ. Point B, the truth of the gospel here is a reference to our way of life after salvation. I like the way Ephesians puts that. <clears throat> we talked about the eternal purpose, but there's another verse to speak of that we, we spoke about in the thought of the week where we're raised, the moment we're saved, we're raised up in heavenly places and seated in Christ and we share all. None of that was true for those in Israel. None of it. This is all dispensational, age-appropriate information. Point C, truth of the gospel. The first objective is to learn the truth of this gospel. Then learn to share that truth. There's nothing in this world to compare. So when people are saved in the same way they are saved, the calling in this particular age is that we are seated in heaven in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Point D, many think they know the gospel, but it is, quote, in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past. So when you get saved, you're not going into it. You're not going to be an Israelite. You're not a spiritual Jew. You have a different purpose. And that's what the focus should be is that we come to understand who we are. And by doing that, we give God respect because we're saying, God, this is your choice. This is your plan. And we honor that plan. It's like what Christ says, I love the Father and I do exactly as the Father commanded me when he was here on earth. So the truth of the point E, the truth of the gospel might be preserved, notice, for us. I'm glad there were those who stood up for this message. Otherwise, we wouldn't be talking about it today. <clears throat> well, God preserves his word. But I'm also thinking of those in, in history, in the church's history, that have continued to preserve his word. Well, you know, one of the things we could say is the word was preserved for us in the word of God. A lot of these things were hashed out. Uh, there may have been controversies in the early church, but if you look at the word, I believe God has preserved them in there for us to maintain. <clears throat> so we have a work to do. Point F, this message has been preserved in this way, the written word of God, spirit of truth, sanctify them by the spirit. Your word is Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. John 17, 17. And in the hearts of those who believe and accept their calling as ambassadors for the new creation in Christ. It's been preserved for us. We have a calling. So we're going to move right into point number uh, six, which is Galatians 2, 6. As for those who were held in high esteem, whatever they were, makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. They added nothing to my message. It's a lot, big verse, verse six. Let's look at some of the points. Point A, those held in high esteem. Those esteemed leaders. Remember, Jerusalem is where the church began. So everything flowed from Jerusalem, <clears throat> from those disciples who became apostles. They all started right there in Jerusalem. They did, they did not start in the south, uh, uh, in the north where Paul, we're talking Damascus, all that. It started in Jerusalem. And as such, there were those who were esteemed leaders. Now, <clears throat> Paul is saying they were esteemed. To be esteemed, you have to be esteemed in the eyes of the people. You can't just dub yourself esteemed. You have to, the people have to recognize you as someone who is a leader, a, a, a person of influence in the church. So that's what happened in Jerusalem. There were some good and bad things in this leadership. Let's talk about it. Point B. Jewish influence was prominent in the early church, even among the apostles at times. 
the matter needed to be settled. I mean, just imagine, if you're transferring from one dispensation to another, then obviously, I mean, it is, it is a given that some might continue to strive to stay where they are to maintain tradition. After all, it was 14, 1,500 years since Israel was established. And then, even before that, there were the generations of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So we're talking a long time for traditions and religious training to set in for those people. And they were not willing to just give that up under any circumstances. Even though God testified to it through signs, wonders, and various miracles, they still... <clears throat> so it was very prominent in the early church. Even, and, and I say, even among the apostles at times, this matter needed to be settled. Now, think about this for a sec. Yes, they were apostles, but they were also human beings. And they had a lot of unlearning to do with respect to the dispensation of Israel. Going into a new dispensation, uh, they themselves, being Jews, certainly would have cultural and uh, religious training tugging at them all the time. But you know what's interesting in all of that? While they had that trouble, Paul was a Pharisee. And he was able through the renewing of his mind to put all of those religious tendencies and thoughts, uh, cultural norms and standards, he was able to depart from them and totally embrace the new dispensation. That was important. And I think for the most part, yes, we are weak, and we could talk about our humanity as our failing to understand or to grasp or to remember or this. But the reality is God, the Holy Spirit, is here. His job is not only to enlighten us to what is the new way, but to empower us to walk in it. Point C, whatever they were, <clears throat> when it says whatever they were it makes no difference to me so whatever they were it didn't matter what others thought about them or what they thought about themselves the spirit of truth leads in the church so we could have leaders right you could say Doug you're you are the leader of this church Doug you are the leader but really I'm not I am middle management I don't make the what the Word of God says. I don't make it up what it means. That is given to me from above. And when I say above, I mean God, the Holy Spirit. And then the, and the Holy Spirit is taking that from the mind of Christ. <clears throat> the mind of Christ and is, is received that information from the Father, His plan. So what are we in this in this process. We are middle management. We are not making this up as we go along. So God has placed people in different areas. So there will be different cultural norms and standards that impact them. But guess what we're all supposed to do? Is come together around the central truths of this age. Yes, we might come from different backgrounds, different places, different countries, different nations, different, all of that so. And this is why I was impressed with what Dwight was saying in the earlier prayer. Because what, what technology has done through the internet, social media, it has allowed us to connect. But not to connect to spread our cultural and religious training. But we're, we should be connecting to spread the truth of this new age information. The truth of the gospel, as it were. And the spirit of truth is in control. Spirit of truth is not invested in any particular worship style or religious training. He is not. He will find people wherever they are 
and that's where he will lead them into all truth. We may be wherever we are in, on the spectrum, but the objective is that we get to all truth. <clears throat> Point D. Politics is concerned about what is popular among the people. Truth and the spirit of truth should be the only motivation of the church. So we're not concerned in this sense with a consensus of what people think. The consensus of what people think is where politicians derive their power. Once they get all the people behind them, then they're, I don't know about today, but anyway, but that's the way it's supposed to go. That the, the politician, the representatives in this country are then to uh, represent what the masses want. But that's not the way the church works. The only motivation is the spirit of truth in the church. There is an agenda, the Father's plan. It's been given to the mind of Christ. He is Lord, and the Spirit is recognizing that Christ is Lord and is teaching us the mind of Christ. So it's not about politics, not about whose opinions sound the most uh, cogent. It is about what is the spirit of truth telling us in the word of God, what's preserved there for us, as well as what does it mean. When we think about the spirit of truth, we have to say, what does it mean? That's what it goes to. Point E, the early church was weak and immature, an immature church. That's the, the bottom line. We find that they needed to grow up. And <clears throat> that word, napias, is there, which means it's not, it's not the same word, brethos, where it speaks of a baby on a mother's breast. That's interesting when you think of that thought, the baby on the mother's breast. What does the baby need? Milk. But when it comes to napias, that is a different word altogether. It means a childish believer, one who should know better but doesn't. Napias. So, F. We must not only believe in the new dispensation, but also embrace it. The thought is illustrated by uh, this Greek word. <clears throat> and what is the Greek word? Dispensation or oikoinomia. This is an important word for us. If you're not familiar with it, it, and it's okay if you don't know what it means in Greek or, or, or say how to say it in Greek. That's, that's not the point. The point is, this word describes for us the age in which we live. If you look at how it's used in Scripture, you will see the definition of this word and how God would have us understand it. A new dispensation has dawned. Now, I just should say... <clears throat> oikonomia means administration, right? And it's not just, it's not about our administration, because we could do things the way we want to do it. It's the way God is doing it. So you could say that God has a plan. Dis the word dispensation says, how is God administering or executing his plan? That's how you could see the word dispensation. Uh, it, it could be used of a household or an estate, specifically a religious e an economy. Or it could be stewardship. The word could also be translated stewardship. Why stewardship? Because God has given us his instructions. Our stewardship is about how we carry those instructions out. So... Dispensation is important. If, if new dispensation has dawned on us, then we ought to recognize that um, it has within it something different than the previous dispensation. Otherwise, we could have just stayed with the previous dispensation. God could have said things are going to continue along the same line, but no, he put new dynamics in so that we have a different purpose. God has a different plan. So, point F, that was what I'm saying. We must, uh, the thought, oh, I'm sorry, I've skipped up. We're in point one, F1. We just talked about dispensation. F2 is 
Ephesians 3.2, here's what it says. Assuming that you heard of the administration of God's, of the grace of God, which was given <clears throat> to you, given to me for you. So I want to, as we talked about the word dispensation, we wanted to see how it's used in scripture. How, just understand from its use what the writer actually meant. So Paul says, assuming you heard of the administration of God's grace. Now that word is translated administration in weast, and it is an administration, but it is a dispensation has more to do with just God ruling over his household in a certain way. It says how, administration, administration speaks of how that rule is happening. So the administration of the grace of God, which was given to me, for you. That's interesting. It was given to Paul for us. Now, it wasn't just given to Paul by himself. If you look at, <clears throat> I just want to dispel some of the uh, things that are out there. When you look at Ephesians 3, 2, which we read, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace, which was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. So it's not just about uh, how God is administering in this, new, in this new way. It's about a time period. When, it, when Paul speaks of the mystery, he's saying that this information, this administration of how God is ruling in this particular way has been hidden prior to this time that we're living in. So we can't just relate a dispensation or administration to how God is ruling over it is also related to a time period and that's important for us to know so in reading this then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ uh, which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed notice by the spirit so remember we talked about the how the Holy Spirit is, in this age, the, what I call the communications liaison. I may come up with a different name later, but right now that's what I'm thinking. Right? So by the Spirit. The Spirit is the one leading out here. If you don't get this, if, this, if you reject this, this information, you are rejecting the Holy Spirit. So, to God's holy apostles and prophets. Now, what other apostles are there? We know of only the ones that were chosen, the 11. And so the 11, they have to listen to the Spirit with respect to this new dispensation as well. It was not only given to Paul. And this is where what I call hyper-dispensationalists have gone off the rails. They have somehow just split this whole thing up and they said, well, the, the other apostles, they're just talking about the kingdom message for Israel. <clears throat> and Paul is working with the Gentiles when it comes to the church. I mean, this doesn't make any sense. I mean, this verse right here says that he gave it to everybody in this age. When we're talking about the apostles and prophets, prophets are used to convey God's special message. And he's obviously, if it was hidden from Israel, we can't go back and think about that there should have been Israel, is, uh, prophets that spoke to Israel. These are prophets who are facing and speaking to the church. They did not exist in the Old Testament, but it is now only through the Spirit. He's the one in control as far as the dissemination of this information. There it is. There's a couple thoughts about the mystery that is important. And I think when people, you have people on either side, you will have people who say, there is no dispensation. It's all the same. Since Abraham, we all are under the same thought. Right? Well, that assumes that God's only plan is to save people. And uh, yes, salvation is the same in every age, every dispensation. God can't change in the way he saves man. If he did, that would be an issue that says God has a different righteousness. So 
we have to make sure we get that point. It's an important point that God has a different purpose than he did for Israel. And for us to say, oh, it's only about salvation, is to deny the fact that the Father can have a purpose. The Jews did that in the first century. That was what Romans 9 was all about, remember? They was like, no, you can't change. We're the chosen. We're not saying, you can't have another purpose, God. God says, no, I'm sovereign when it comes to this. And to make all men see what is the dispensation of the mystery. Right? So that is important for us to understand. That we don't fall into those categories. And so you have people who say, no, there is no dispensation. On the other side, you have people who say, oh, it's only for Paul. Paul is the only apostle who is teaching this. And that's wrong. That would be wrong. We just saw in the verse ahead of us here in Ephesians uh, 3. Five it is. Okay, let's keep going. Point number three, Ephesians 3, 9. Here's another place where the word dispensation is found. And to make all men see what is the dispensation or administration, whichever word you like. But as long as we understand we're talking about the same thing. What is the dispensation of the mystery which for ages has been hid in God who created all things. So whatever this is, this is very special. Because he did not reveal it to anyone. He hid it. It was hid in God. Hence, the mystery. So, and so the objective that Paul had here is, should be the same as our objective. Is since we have dawned, this new age has dawned, it, it is also fair to note that it is unique and never before seen. Right? So for ages has been hid in God. And it is our objective for it to be revealed. Like Paul says, to make all men see it. To make all men understand it so that they could understand what God is doing. So part of this is not just how we respond to it, Right. Well, what do I think about it? Is what is God doing? God is launching out. He's revealing this information that never was seen before. And he's using the church to do it. We're part of that information. So that's important. So I particularly used different, dis, different translations to show administration, dispensation, just so you can get an idea where the word is used and how it's used in the Bible. Point four, 1 Timothy 1, 3 and 4, right? I think the, uh, I wrote that twice. I don't know why. So 1 Timothy 1, 3 and 4, as I exhorted thee to tarry at Ephesus, when I was going into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge certain men not to teach a different doctrine, neither to give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister question, questionings. Notice this last phrase, rather than a dispensation of God, which is in faith, so do I now. So get that. This verse, to me, shows... Now, you might not have read... <clears throat> if, you, if you read... The reason I picked this translation is because it uses the word dispensation. So it puts dispensation against here teaching... A different doctrine, uh, don't giving heed, not giving heed to fables and endless genealogies, which minister questionings rather than a dispensation. Rather than there's the contrast, a dispensation of God, which is in faith. So do I now. So what he's saying here, and this is key for us when it comes to dispensation, we should be teaching the dispensations. Right? We should be under, helping people understand where we are right now. It's important. Well, we saw that in the previous, in point number three, 
where it says to make all men see what is the administration of God's grace, which is hidden. But here it's supposed to be our doctrine. That's important. What should we be talking about? I like in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 where Paul says in 13, this is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but words taught us by the Spirit, comparing spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. I see that as important for us. This is what we're supposed to teach, not giving heed to crazy things that might come up, fables and endless genealogies that people will just, uh, they're stuck where they're stuck in and they can't get past. <coughs> it is what we should be teaching in this church and in every church. Uh, five, Colossians 1, 25. Hold, hold on a quick sec. Resuming. So we were at point number four, which was important. We're headed to five, Colossians 1, 25. This is another use of the word dispensation. Wherefore, I am made a minister according to, here it is, <clears throat> the dispensation of God. So Paul's a minister according to the dispensation of God. Interesting. So when we think about what we were reading in Ephesians, <clears throat> Paul says, although I am less, this is Ephesians 3, 8, although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery. So <clears throat> Paul is talking about the dispensation. I mean, it's, I think it's clear. Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. It was given to Paul as an apostle. It was given to all the apostles, when just given to Paul, as we saw earlier. Wherefore I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me, <clears throat> given me to you, word, uh, to fulfill, notice, the word of God. So this rounds out what God wanted to tell us in terms of revelation. When we, we, we speak about the revelation of God, this is God's testimony to man. We need that to understand a lot of things, not just salvation, but what is the eternal purpose of God. It's not just about what do we do, what should we be doing. It is what is God doing? What is he about? What is his plan? Because everything will flow from there. It won't flow from, well, let's see what we want to do and how we want to do it. And none of that. That's not the most important thing. Most important thing is what does God want us to do? There's that verse in Ephesians 5. Always be trying to find out what best pleases the Lord. G, keeping going, headed to our notes. G, <clears throat> Paul said, it makes no difference to me. So this is in the, the verse here. It says, uh, it says, whatever they were, these people who are held in high esteem makes no difference, Paul is saying in point G, to him. Paul was in the minority. Why was he in the minority here? Because <clears throat> even though those people were esteemed leaders, right, it, it, he's saying that what they were saying didn't make any change to what Paul had been given by God. Let's just read the whole point. And it didn't matter to him who was held in high esteem in Jerusalem. Our generation could learn from this. So <clears throat> it depends. A lot of people today make, take their statements and their quotes and their, from these people who are held in high esteem in the church today. When really it is about the spirit of truth. Some people will look at ancient church um, theologians and say, wow, <clears throat> John Calvin said this, or, or Zwingli said that, or Martin Luther taught this, right? as though these men somehow should influence what the Bible says, because that's what they said it means. Well, we have the Spirit, remember, and that's the Spirit's job to say what it means, not their job. Paul says, you know what? It's clear what the message is, and I don't care if they, those people were popular or not. I'm not going to stray from what God told me. Remember, we're not dealing with politics here. 
It's not what the people want. It's what God the Father wants. He's the one that hid this in himself and now revealed it. That's, that's what it's more about. <clears throat> and we could learn from this. Our generation could certainly learn to respect the way this is. And when we look at the scriptures, we have to depart. We can't just say, well, listen, if they had the truth, then amen. We should be following. It's not because they had it, <clears throat> because it is in the word, and the spirit of truth confirms that that is what the proper meaning is of that is. It is not because, oh, because somebody said it. Well, they said it, and it's truth. It's not their truth. It's God the Father's truth. If they have arrived at it, they have arrived at it through the ministry of the Spirit, just like we will have to. Now, yes, there are going to be men who can help us, who are following the path of the Holy Spirit. No doubt about that. But we're going to clearly see when those men have gone off the rails. <clears throat> Paul said it makes no difference. He's not, he's not swayed by the leadership of these people, the authority of these people. He's not swayed by that. His ministry was completely looking at what the Father said to Christ and what the Holy Spirit got from Christ. That is where Paul was. Point H, God does not show favoritism. God does not accept the face of man. That's what that means. <clears throat> because man has a, a face that may be positive or negative, God, it doesn't move God at all. That's literally what it means. And I just gave a few different translations so we can understand what it means to show favoritism. God does not accept the face of man. God shows no partiality, ESV. God does not accept the face of man, the LSV. God accepts not man's person, weast. God does not judge by outward appearances, the Good News Bible. And that's interesting that when we see all that, again, we can learn a lot by looking at what Paul is saying here as he was dealing with these esteemed leaders. He's saying, God, <clears throat> listen, God told me what he told me, and it is not just for me, it's for everybody. This truth is not some truth that I have, uh, what the hyper-dispensationalists have done. This is the truth for all the apostles. Every one of them have to learn this. Point I, they added nothing to my message. So Paul is saying, that he was, he was able to continue with the message that God had given him. Paul was not influenced by them, and he kept his focus on what God revealed to him. And, you know, we could get involved and stuck in the mud with all uh, the wrong thoughts. We got to stay focused on moving forward for our spiritual lives. I mean, I understand there are interesting things, and there were things that I've gone through in my life where... Um, I was focused more on this or that. I get it. I understand. I think it's a part of our spiritual growth that we are led to different things. <clears throat> but what we can learn from this is that Paul kept his focus on what God revealed to him. This is the plan of God. Nothing is more important. Not any person. Not any esteemed leader. Right. Whatever they say, they go ahead and say, but you stay focused on what the plan of God is. The only way you're going to be able to distinguish what it is, is the more you know it. So that was the focus, right? That was Paul's focus. He says, they added nothing to my message. Well, Paul got his directly from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, of course, the other apostles, to be fair, did too. Although, I would say they were given to be more traditional even when you think about the fact that Paul was a Pharisee, you would think he would have been the one clinging to religious ideas and the, the, the teachings of the elders. But he dropped all that. And he let you know it was gone. He forgot about all that. He didn't forget, but he realized those things were false, and I'm not going to focus on that at all. Point number seven. We're going to a new verse. On the contrary, 
they recognized that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised. And notice, had been. Peter had been. Let's keep going here. There's a lot to uncover in this verse, but we're going to quickly move forward. Point A, let's review the record of the apostles' authority. <clears throat> so, and this is, when I say the apostles, I just want to review Acts 9, 15, and 16. Let's look at it. And I'm talking about the apostle Paul, that is. 15 and 16, this is right when Paul was called uh, on the way to uh, Damascus. 15, but the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. So Paul wasn't just to be the apostle to the Gentiles. And even though he said this and he recognized that he was successful among the Gentiles, he was also saying, hey, um, I'm going into the synagogues. And there were many times, and in fact, uh, you're going to see this in the points here, where Paul did go into the synagogue to preach, to teach the gospel. So we just want to make sure we understand that. <clears throat> then in verse 16, it says, I will show him how much he must suffer from my name. That's Acts 9, 16. So that's the record. So even though they had agreed... They said, okay, Paul, you've been successful with the Gentiles. You go ahead. And guess who was successful with the Jews? Peter, as we saw. Peter had, just as Peter had been to the, uh, to the circumcised. Now, it, just because Peter was successful with the Jews, he was supposed to be teaching the same thing. It wasn't just, oh, I'm going to teach the Jewish gospel. Uh, no, I'm going to teach this new age, this new dispensation. That's what's important. And we're not to give in to the to to, to the Mosaic Law and those who are, are are striving to keep the Mosaic Law. Point B. In fact, this is seven B. In fact, Paul was already accustomed to going into the synagogue and preaching Christ. So this, if you look at these verses, and there are more, and I'm already in Acts. I'll just flip through a couple of them. Acts thirteen forty two. 13.42 As Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, the people invited them to speak further about these things on the next Sabbath. Notice, Paul and Barnabas, you know what they're teaching. They're preaching Christ according to the revelation of the mystery. You know what he teaches. And yet, there he is going into a synagogue. Where's, I thought Peter was supposed to be... No, no, Paul did as well. And then 14.1, uh, let's see what this one, 14.1 says, At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went, as usual, into the Jewish synagogue. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. So obviously, you know what Paul was teaching, right? But, and he wasn't only teaching it to the Gentiles. But he, he says, I'll take that mantle, apostle to the Gentiles. And then 17, 1 and 2. 17, when Paul and his companions had passed through Amphipolis, Amphili oh, I'm really messing that up, and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there, there was a Jewish synagogue. And as, in verse 2, and as his custom... As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue and on three Sabbath days, as three weeks in a row, reasoned with them from the scriptures. Notice he reasoned with them. He showed the spirit of truth that Christ Jesus was the Christ and persuaded them to understand what the truth was. So well, you could go on. I won't have to read all of these, but... Just if you get the, the understanding that it, even though they made these decisions at um, when they came together, it wasn't so much that uh, Paul says, "Okay, I'm only going to go to the circum uh, the uncircumcised." Peter, you go to the circumcised. No, wasn't that at all? 
Peter was also sent to the house of um, Cornelius, if you remember, in the book of Acts. That was a big deal. The sheet came down and God directed that whole meeting where he came to those people who were Gentiles. And they were Gentiles and they were already saved. So let's keep going. Point C, Paul fulfilled his calling to both Jews and Gentiles, although he had great success among the Gentiles as evidenced by the churches established. Paul established a lot of Gentile churches. That's one thing to note. And this is where, you know, when he came together among these people, not only did he tell them about the signs and wonders and miracles but that were performed, but he also told them about the, the Gentiles and the response that they had to the gospel. There were churches that were started. And once they heard this, they were like, okay, God is working with you. There's nothing we can say. This is confirmed, right? What else can we say? We're not going to go against God. So that was why. Point D, they wanted Paul to continue doing what he was doing among the Gentiles. They thought that was positive. They could see God's working in this. You know, it's interesting how uh, today, it is not so. So what the signs, wonders, and miracles established today is the Word of God. They tell us that that's authentic. They, they're telling us that that is what God wants us to know. That is His Word. That's what signs, wonders, and miracles tell us today. But you have people today who are trying to duplicate signs, wonders, and miracles. So really, what they're doing is trying to water down the Word of God. They're saying, we could say whatever we want, and we got signs, wonders, and miracles as well. That's wrong. <laughs> That's wrong. What we want to establish is that those signs, wonders, and miracles that were performed by Jesus and by the apostles are unique. They are not just, oh, somebody had a backache, and you touched them, and now they said they didn't have a backache. Or that somebody had a headache, and you just told them, hey... You don't have a headache anymore. And the person says, hey, guess what? I don't have a headache anymore. That's not what we're talking about. The signs, wonders, and miracles were, were not even... I don't even know if those are signs, wonders, and miracles. I don't even trust that they are signs, wonders, and miracles. You know what I put my trust in? Those that happened in the Bible. The, those signs, wonders, and miracles are establishing the Word of God. To the extent that you are running around saying you're doing signs and wonders and miracles, you're trying to undermine the Word of God. That's what it effectively does. And people are saying, hey, not only that, I'm doing these signs, wonders, and miracles, but I'm an apostle. I'm a prophet. I'm doing all the things that they did in the Bible. You are not doing the things that they did in the Bible. You are not. And, and that is... And I will not believe that whatever you say and how you interpret the word is the way God would have us. I will say what the spirit of truth has given us and has told us what it meant is what truth is. It undermines the Bible when they don't understand this point. And it's sad because the dispensations are signaled by God doing these signs, wonders, and miracles. I mean, just imagine, <clears throat> if the 10 plagues would not have happened, you think Pharaoh wouldn't have, would have let the people of Israel go? No, God demonstrated his power, undeniable power, that, he, that Pharaoh eventually let those people go. And then he drowned Pharaoh in the Red Sea, which is, again, on the back of a miracle, a miraculous sign where he parted the Red Sea. And some people say, well, the Red Sea was very low that year. That's why. And it was probably wind, and they just went across. Well, how did Pharaoh's army drown in such low water? That's the miracle then. Okay, no, no, that wasn't the case at all. God parted the Red Sea. They walked through, it says, on dry land. And then when Pharaoh tried to do it and his armies, they were destroyed. So it was a miracle that established the new direction of God. So that's the thought. That's what we need to understand. So let's, let's get back to our notes. 
So Paul had great success, as we said, among Gentiles as, and Jews as well. And, and Peter had great success among the Jews, plus Peter did speak to Gentiles. We don't want to say they didn't cross any, they, they had boundaries and they couldn't cross them. So they wanted Paul to continue what he was doing among the Gentiles. Point E, Peter was well known as a leader among the Jews. Remember the vision, right? We already said Acts chapter 10. <clears throat> it's interesting. It is so interesting that uh, the Roman Catholic Church has Peter as their first pope. Of course, this is all religious, I know. It doesn't have anything to do with us because we don't revere Peter as the first pope. But um, it's interesting they didn't choose the Apostle Paul with the, who was echoing this new dispensation and, and has written all that he has written in the New Testament, 13 out of the 27 books. Interesting. Maybe it has something to do with Paul's message that they didn't like. I don't know. But it didn't happen. Point F. Notice the use of of circumcised and uncircumcised. Uh, this helps us understand uh, the matter is not primarily about salvation, but the new age. <clears throat> and when we get that, Galatians, the, the text here is Galatians 3, 1 through 5. Do you want to know what is Galatians talking about? It's about dispensation. It's, it's about the fact that a new dispensation has dawned. Galatians 3, 1 through 5, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain, if it really was in vain, so again, I ask, does God give you the Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? So again, you see what Paul established in the hearts of these Galatians. Otherwise, he couldn't have appealed to them in Galatians 3, 1 through 5 in this manner. He did not teach them that the Mosaic Law was in force. That was not what was going on. So this is why we have the book of Galatians, to help us orient to the new dispensation, to answer any questions, any controversies, to quell any opposition to this new age that God has established. Although, when we look around today, not many are talking about the new way of life. Sure, they have discarded the Mosaic Law, and a lot of the ceremony of the Mosaic Law. But they used the, the Mosaic Law as a foundation for the purpose for the church. They continue to do that. And they borrow whatever they feel they would rather have uh, over and against what is in the New Testament scriptures. Point number eight. I know, actually, I think we're going to stop at this point. But I'm... Hopefully, we'll look at these next week, and we will have opportunity to cover them in greater detail. Point number eight, let me just read it. It's Galatians 2, 8, for God, who was at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised, was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. We'll get to what this means, but both were going on, the work to the Jews and the work to the Gentiles, all under the authority of God and God the Holy Spirit, but there is one central message. Let's keep that in mind as we go forward. Uh, we have already discovered more in Galatians than we bargained for. Let's bow our heads as we close. Thank you, Father, for this time we have and this view into the early church. While we recognize there are problems, if there was weakness, we can learn from, from that. And it is not a criticism, it is more of a learning opportunity for us so that we can preach, just like you said, the unsearchable riches of Christ. 
We thank you for those who have joined and we pray for wisdom as we go about how to administer this new dispensation in, in a world that rejects it. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.